0: Good morning. Uh, One of the things that my wife and I enjoy doing, especially when we go on a long road trip, is listening to podcasts. I don't know about you, how you pass the time on a long road trip, but for us, it's podcasts. Especially um, lately, it seems like it's been true crime podcasts. um, I don't know if you're a true crime podcast, but ever since Serial came out, it was one of those shows that at the end of every episode, you couldn't wait for the next episode. So if you were going on a 14 hour drive, it almost was like the best day ever because you got to listen to so many episodes of Serial in a row, but it didn't always quite work out like that. Um, uh, One time we were going to Lake of the Ozarks and everything on our way to Lake of the Ozarks was kind of going wrong. So we got going out of town a little bit late and uh, that meant our trip was way later into the night and we were getting in after midnight into Lake of the Ozarks. And um, it seemed like we took some wrong turns, which is usually my fault. I, like if Emma's not awake or paying attention, I will just accidentally get on the wrong road and head the wrong direction for an hour. Like it's super easy for me. But um, I probably took a wrong direction at some point. It felt like we hadn't seen other cars for 20 minutes. Our gas was running low and we were listening to a true crime podcast. (laughs) This is not a combination of things that I would recommend to anyone, especially if you're trying to judge people less. um, You cannot stop at the gas station and really not judge people in this situation. It's not possible. Um, They're probably fine people there gassing up their cars and getting something to eat, but I pegged each of them on the top 10 list of America's Most Wanted that night at the gas station. So uh, today we're gonna be diving into a passage of scripture that if it happened today, um, I think it could be a podcast. I really do think it could be a podcast, but it happened 2000 years ago. And so it's recorded in writing and we're gonna be diving into that. But it's our final week of a series called A New Beginning. A New Beginning. And we've been uh, starting this series in early 2022 as we look at how to take little areas of our life if we get them focused in the right direction they can make a big impact and change in our lives so Pastor Jason kicked off the series uh, in on January 2nd're talking about having a new heart then we talked about having a new mind uh, Pastor John talked about having a new focus and then last week Pastor Jason talked about having new friends and to wrap up the series today we're talking about having a new vision a new vision and Vision is a powerful thing. I think we can all agree, vision can be pretty powerful. Maybe you were the kid who sat in class and instead of focusing on the math lesson for that day, your mind was on what was gonna happen after you got out of school or when the weekend hit or when the summer hit, you were gonna create this. You were gonna make this and that was your vision. But even if you're not really a dreamer, I think we can agree that vision is for all of us, right? All of us want a better tomorrow. All of us want a better future. And as Christians, that involves God's plan for our lives being central to our visions for the future, right? But it's easier said than done because vision can be a little complicated. Especially lately, the future has felt so uncertain. And just when we think we can start to plan and prepare for what's next, feels like we're thrown for another loop. And a lot of us have traded our vision of what could be in the future for just a vision of going back to what was. Or we've thought we've had a new and innovative idea, we put our energy into it, and it started out with a little steam, but then it dwindled, which can be discouraging, right? Uh, Somebody else who serves in ministry said, When I look back on the last couple years of ministry, there are so many goals that I can agonize over and so many situations I wish were different. And when I was talking to Pastor John about this series and this sermon specifically, he said, a lot of people, it seems like their visions are dimmed right now. A lot of people have dimmed visions and I think that's pretty true. I got a, I'm on a mass email list for the Global Leadership uh, Network, which is like a conference that I attended once in Chicago years ago. And so I'm still on their email list, of course. But uh, the other day, they sent a email that like just caught my eye for a couple paragraphs. And I think it probably would catch most of you in this room too. So I wanted to read the first part of it to you. It said, you received this email because we believe you are a curious, give back growth-minded person with a vision for a better future, all in bold, vision for a better future. We also know you may be facing difficult challenges, burnout, broken relationships, conflicts, and an undefined path ahead, to name a few. You are not alone. This is a reminder your vision still matters, even in parentheses, even if it feels a little bit foggy. And if that caught your attention like it did me, quick tangent, there, uh, this email was promoting a uh, leadership three-hour online event later this month. I'll include a link to it in my email on Tuesday if you want to tune in to that. I think it's like on a Thursday over a long three-hour lunch. But I think we can all agree to have a vision for a future, a better future, at the same time that it seems like we're having increased pressures put on us daily and increased darkness all around us daily is not an easy thing. And so today we're going to look at a story from the book of Acts, and the story is about the apostle Paul. And if I refer to him as Paul or Saul today, I just want you to know up front that I'm talking about the same person. It's the same Guy. He went by both different names. And so if I say Saul or Paul, we're talking about the same person. And we're going to kick off with a story about Stephen the Martyr, if you've heard of him. It comes from Acts 7, verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. And saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. So, maybe you've heard of Stephen the martyr. He's he's known as the first person to be a martyr or to die standing up for his faith. And he was the first one to do that for Christianity. Like he believed and he stood up for it. And then he was stoned. And the people who stoned him took off their jackets and laid them at the feet of this guy. And you can picture if this is a movie... At this point, it's a pretty intense and scary scene, and the film pans up this guy's face, and and the music is intense, and then the face of this guy who seems to be leading the charge of killing Stephen is shown, and that's Saul, and that's who we're talking about today. So we're going to pick up from there in Acts chapter 8. A great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church of Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the region of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison." So he's not stopping. His mission is the exact opposite of the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to spread the name of Jesus and his mission is to just shut that down at any cost. He wants to shut that down. I find it interesting, the things that kind of have stood against the church over all of history, right? Horizons is a relatively young church. Um, This March, we're celebrating 25 years of ministry. Um, And probably in that 25 years, there's been times that it has felt like things are just like kind of working against the church's favor. But as you go back in history, there are much bigger things that feel like they were there just to stop the church and stop the Christian movement. But I just find it encouraging that the message of Jesus has withstood so many things and traveled so many years and is still here today. That's kind of a tangent, but let's pick up um, where we're at with Saul in Acts chapter nine. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats under every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven, suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, asked Saul? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless they heard the sound of someone's voice, but looked around and they saw nobody. Saul picked himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. I have to uh, take drinks when I preach and I felt like that point when Saul did not eat or drink for three days would be a good point to rehydrate myself. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. God probably said that five times fast. Go over to Straight Street, Straight Street, Straight Street. Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, For Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul and he laid his hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And hasn't he come here to take prisoners of the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. If this story was a podcast today, I have a feeling at this point, if I were interviewing some people around and I were like, hey, what do you know of this Saul guy? My guess is a lot of them would be skeptical, right? A lot of them would be like, you know, I know he was killing people and doing everything he could to stop the movement of Christianity, and now he's like amongst us in this movement. I'm just a little bit nervous that he might be like doing it to try to gain like some sort of inside knowledge, and then he's going to arrest all of us, or I don't know what his motives are here, but it seems fishy, right? but we have the advantage of living 2000 years later and kind of being able to look back at this event in history and say, oh no, Saul, Paul really did stay a Christian from this point forward. From this point forward, he planted churches and uh, after he'd plant some churches, he'd move on to plant more churches and he'd write letters back to the original churches just to keep them focused in the right direction and going the right direct, going the right way And then those letters would be put into the back half of the Bible. And for years and years up to this day, we still use that guidance for the Christian movement now because of this guy, Saul, who in fact did stay following Christianity. And uh, I want to read part of one of those letters that he wrote to the churches in Galatia, a series of churches he planted there. He said, "You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors." And I actually want to get to the next part, but real quick I want to pause and say this might feel like a little like it's anti-Jewish, but I just want to remember or remind you that Paul himself was Jewish that Jesus was Jewish, and that what was going on at this time was a huge change. Because the way to relate to God up till this point was through the old covenants. But then at this point, Jesus has introduced a completely brand new covenant, a completely brand new way to come into relation with God. So it makes sense that some of the people at this time were kind of figuring out like, Okay, what's going on here? I've been living by all these traditions of the old covenant, and now there's a completely brand new covenant going on. That's kind of the context that we come here. Here's what Paul says next, though, to the church. He says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out and consult with any human being. So this is the story of Saul, Paul converting. And uh, I wanna take three points home with you today, just three points from this, as it relates to our visions, right? Our visions for the future and how this story can help guide us. And so number one is speak into And encourage others in their visions. Speak into and encourage others in their visions. We don't always need to place ourselves at the center of the story, right? This story today was such an impact. Paul made such an impact on the early church, on the church movement, and he'd impact churches for years and years to come but isn't it interesting what a key role Ananias played in that story, right? God asked Ananias to go over to Saul's house and lay hands on Saul and pray for him. And Ananias was like, wait, God, you wanna send me to the guy who is killing Christian's house? I'm certain there was a little bit of fear there, but Ananias nonetheless chose to step over that fear to go into the situation and lay hands on Saul. Stepped over the fear, And took a big step. And because of that, Saul started to completely change his ways, right? So, point one is speak into and encourage others in their visions. My guess is, you know somebody in your life that's making a pretty big impact by what they do. Either professionally or uh, outside of professionally. Either way, they're making a pretty big impact. But maybe... They're a little discouraged right now. Or maybe they've lost a little bit of their passion or their heart for that thing. My challenge to you today is to think of how you can speak into the vision that God has given them and encourage it. Because one of the ways you might make the biggest difference is by encouraging someone else to keep going and to keep making an impact in big ways. But... At the same time, I don't want you to use that as an excuse for any visions you have yourself. So point number two is, God chose you and called you. God chose you and called you. Uh, Paul almost seems a little arrogant when he's writing to the Galatians, when he says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles, right? It almost seems a little arrogant, but I don't think it is, right? What if we lived with that conviction knowing that God chose us and called us? God chose you and called you. A pastor friend of mine shared with his church the other day. He said, my prayer for you is that you would see you the way God sees you. My prayer for you is that you would see you the way God sees you. And so many people have a false sense of God, like being disappointed in us or or thinking like God could never approve of what I do. But look at (laughs) Saul. Look at Saul literally doing everything he could against the church. And God still chose to shine his light on Saul. And that's not what, it, so that's not at all what I'm talking about. If you only knew how much God loved you. You know, sometimes you look in the mirror and you can't even love the, own, the person you see in the mirror. But if you only knew how much God loved you. If you knew God chose you and called you. And if you could see you the way that God sees you, I have a feeling a lot of people in this room watching online, their visions would probably double in size right at that moment that they started seeing themselves as God sees them. So, last point. Last point is light still shines in darkness. Again, if you had to pick a dark situation, it was a situation that Saul was leading against the church, right? Killing people in the church. But isn't it interesting that God still chose to shine his light on Saul? Uh, If I could recommend a show to you on Disney Plus, it's called Welcome to Earth. It's a National Geographic show hosted by Will Smith. So if you have Disney Plus, I highly recommend watching this show. Will Smith and a marine biologist get into a submersible, like a submarine, but it's like this sphere of of like very thick plastic. And they head off the coast of the Bahamas into the ocean. The vastness of the ocean is all around them. And then they begin to descend down. And the marine biologist shares that the the floor of the ocean is less explored by human beings than um, the surfaces of Mars and Venus and the moon. Like we as humans know more about like those planets than we do about our own ocean floor. So they begin to descend down in this submersible and and from the surface of the ocean down the first 656 feet is called the euphotic zone. So from the surface to 656 feet in depth, which I've never even been in that deep of a pool, like that's still pretty deep is called the euphotic zone. And in this zone, sunlight penetrates and so algae um, can grow, which provides food for fish and they provide food for bigger fish. And so this is the euphotic zone from the surface to 656 feet down. And then from 656 feet in depth down to 3,280 feet, is called the dysphotic zone. And in the dysphotic zone, the light intensity uh, reduces dramatically uh, with increasing depth. The deeper you get, the less and less light there is. They had Will Smith, uh, wardrobe team had Will Smith purposely wear a red shirt. Because as they were going through this zone, his shirt started to appear blue. Because the first rays of light that don't get through this part of the water or the red rays of light. So his shirt appears blue, that's why a lot of things in the ocean appear blue. In fact, a lot of the fish on this level are red because you can't really see them then. They blend in and they can protect themselves from predators. And then when you reach 3,280 feet deep in the ocean, you get to the aphotic zone. And sunlight does not penetrate the eternal darkness below 1,000 meters or 3,280 feet. doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime up on the surface, it's completely dark because of the waters above. Aphotic means it's Greek for without light. So this is a zone of the ocean without light. And as they're sitting in their submersible the plastic begins to creak because there's immense pressure above them. It's extremely cold waters and it's extremely dark. But there's a trick that they can play and so they have the people in the submarine shut their eyes, they flash the lights on and off and as they flash the lights off and reopen their eyes all around them, is like this floating confetti of different colors of shining light in this depth. That kind of looks like this. Um, It's just amazing. And I can't imagine being in this submarine, yet alone just watching it on the show. You can just tell how amazing it is. And it's a process called bioluminescence, which is a chemical reaction using the oxygen in the water to create light. The only light generated at these depths is created by these organisms. Um, And it's used to communicate. In fact, it's probably the most common form of communication on our planet. And so at the end of the episode, Will Smith is reflecting on what he had just seen in front of his face at these depths and darkness of the ocean. And he said, there's a hidden world you can only see in total darkness there's more light in the darkness than I ever imagined. He says, my grandmother used to say that God places the best things in life on the other side of fear. But I would add, God also places the brightest things in life on the other side of darkness. I love this reminder from nature and I love this reminder from Saul on the road to Damascus, This. said Damascus that there is nothing that God cannot light up. There is nothing that God cannot light up. And just as Jesus said to a crowd gathered around him, I think he would say the same to us today, that you are to be the light of the world. And you are to be the light of the world. And you are to be the light of the world. Jesus knew what our world was like. He knew it's often full of immense pressures. He knew it was often seeming extremely dark around us, but he invites each of us into a different vision to let our lights shine before others. And if we can continue to do that as individuals and as a church, the best really is yet to come. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus for us. Thank you for loving us so much. I just pray for the people in this room that if some of them have visions that have gone dim lately, if they feel like they had something they were working towards, but they've been distracted, God, I just pray for them that they could see themselves the way that you see them. God, pray for the people in this room, everyone here, that they could see themselves the way that you see them. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the work you did through Saul. It changed our lives. It changed lives to come. And we pray that we can be part of the vision that you have for this world, no matter what's going around us. No matter what's going on, help us shine your light. Amen.